I could have done it with one hand, but I didn't want to show off. Cool, so let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 6. New Testament, Rom, what's in the New Testament? <laughs> it's been a while since you read the Bible. He's an elder. Um, but um, I, I just think that's amazing. Uh, and today I'm talking on, um, Jesus spoke about three things and we've been going over them in the past three weeks. We did when we fast, which we fasted together. And last week I said when we pray, and hopefully you guys prayed, which is a great thing you need to just be doing every day of your life engaging with the Father in heaven. But then the third thing is when we give. And these are, Jesus says these things in Matthew 6, and he almost just assumes them. He says, listen, he's talking in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, which really is a kind of a manifesto of the kingdom of God. And, he, and he, looks, he looks at it and he says, listen, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast, that's when you're going to start to see the kingdom break in. And as followers of Jesus, those three things are life, should be lifestyle to us. And I've, uh, we have seen God come through in miraculous ways through giving. This church is testament to that. We start, I, I think I shared this last week, but we moved into this warehouse with, uh, we thought we had 100 people in the church, but we had more like probably 40 to 60 because we moved so many times. Uh, we had a little bit of money in the bank, but we needed like triple, quadruple the amount. We always overshot in that place of faith. And God, God always came through. We needed money in certain places and we're like, okay, God, we're just going to be faithfully, faithfully sown to different areas. God comes through. And I want to just talk from that premise this morning that God is faithful. You can never outgive God. I, I want, and I, I really felt as I was driving to church this morning that God wants to break over, over our lives a spirit of mammon, which I'm going to talk about later, but also a spirit of poverty. Knowing that there's this God in heaven who loves us and wants to provide for us. But there's certain principles that he's asked us to put in place. That the moment we do that, it's like the floodgates of heaven begin to open over our lives. And Jesus assumes certain things uh, of his believers. I mean, yeah. 6 verse 1, it says, be- Beware of practicing the- your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your fathers in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus speaking specifically here about giving to the poor. Now we give on a monthly basis to those in ministry who are less fortunate than us, to be given to Nepal, to Sri Lanka. We've, we've sowed into different parts of the world where people need it. We've helped people in our community on numerous occasions. So we, we are doing this, but I believe that there's more. And I wasn't even planning to say this, but God has been speaking to me a lot about the poor in the city. And here's the thing. I, if you have a heart for that, and it may, we just need you to come and talk to us. Because at the end of the day, I know we are meant to bless the city. I'm still saying, God, how can we do it? And we've done a few things over the years, and we've given stuff away, but there's more that God... So if that beats on your heart, please come and talk to us. And we can look at shaping something. Maybe God's given you an incredible idea that can actually change the city. So be happy with that. Maybe talking to one or all of you. 
Jesus says when you give, he doesn't apologize for it, and he doesn't reason, doesn't give a reason. He just says when you give. And uh, Jesus, it's one of these things that I believe that as followers of Jesus, if we get right in our lives, we're going to start to see God move powerfully in and through us. Whenever there was a move of God, there was an opening of hands and an opening of wallets into different people's lives, into ministries, into all of these things. And, it's, and it even says in Acts 2.42 to 47, it says that there was no need among them. Can we be a community like that? Can we be a community, if you see someone struggling, you don't have to come necessarily to us. You're like, oh, in our community group, let's get together and help that person. I can tell you it happened with my parents, and they wouldn't mind me sharing. They were part of Roman Nushi's group, so sorry, guys. I actually might be stealing your reward here, but uh, don't worry. They didn't ask me to say it, so it's all good. But I think my dad needed a hearing aid or something, and they, they by themselves with Raquel and uh, was it? Yeah, it was you guys and Conrad and Raquel and a whole bunch of guys got together, and they got money together, and they got my dad a hearing aid. And I think, wow. There was a need in that community group, and it was, sought, it was looked after by that community. And I feel like that's where we need to get to, because we as a church give, and we are generous as a church. But if we catch this as the people of God, there should be no need amongst us. Jesus had three practices that were opposite to the world. Number one, praying, which is full reliance on God and not on yourself. The world relies on itself. It says, I can do this. I can be this. I can achieve this. Fasting goes against the indulging of the flesh. Who struggled in the fast? Thank you for turning that off. I feel like I'm, I'm sorry guys, but it feels like I'm fighting against that, that fan. Um, who, who struggled a little bit in the fast? I did. It was like the last three days and I'm like, Lord, please. I, was, I, I mean, I, I don't do myself any favors because on YouTube I follow all like food programs. So I'm watching Eater and I'm watching Munchies and I'm watching all these things. And it's just like, ah, oh, I need to eat. But anyway, so it just shows how much we rely on our flesh. But then the third thing which I'm talking about today is giving. In a world where it's about more, the new iPhone has come out. I found myself um, uh, lusting, or not like that's a bad word. Uh, it wasn't quite that, to that place. Like, oh, I want that. And I was like, yeah, but because my phone is broken, I struggle to get a, a charge. I have to like spend 15 minutes charging it and whatever. And like, I justified to myself why I would need another phone where I don't actually need one. I probably will at some stage get another phone, but I'm waiting for it to come on contract. There's no ways that we can spend that kind of, we at least can spend that kind of money up front. But the whole thing is that we live in a world that just asks you to keep buying. You have Reel sitting at the back there. I think he still has the 3GS iPhone, am I right? No, you got rid of that like two, three months ago. But I remember like, I mean, six or seven had already come out and he whips out his 3GS. I'm like, dude, it's time for an upgrade. He goes, no, it still works. Like the text and the calling still works. That's all I really need, you know? And um, the point is we live in a world that, that, that says give, 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 consume, consume, consume. Give, the, give Apple Store your money. Give a restaurant your money. Give a holiday your money. Give Emirates Upgrade your money. Give all of these things your money where God is saying, just hang on for a second. I've made you a steward of what I've given you. Understand that there's principles in place that we have to put first before we start doing the rest. God wants to bless you, and it's not going to always be in money. Uh, Jesus' answer to, uh, to financial problems never was more money. It was more of God. It was, uh, and I love when, it, when he speaks, and even Paul writes about it, he has these moments where he's like, you guys gave, and it's amazing because it's going to go to your credit, which is in heaven, and actually as you give, there's going to be more salvations. 
So there's your abundant life. You think, oh, God's going to add so much financially to me, and He does do that, and I believe that God does want to bless us, but that is not the main thing. The main thing is souls. The main thing is salvation. The main thing is peace. And that can only come from our Father in heaven. Jesus, well, Paul writes, quoting Jesus. And it's amazing. This is the only quote that's not in the Gospels, but it was obviously a saying of Jesus that passed to the next generation. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I've, I know people who just, they, they, they froth, and again, that is a South African word, I think, or even specifically, it's a Durban word, um, or it's a surfing word, but it's, it's, they, they froth to give. It means they're super excited to give. And can we be a church that is that? Radical. I was reading a book this week, and I really encourage you to get it. It's a book by Robert Morris called an Abund- uh, A Blessed Life. It's called A Blessed Life. Go and get it. It'll change your view. And he, it's amazing his stories about giving. Like God began to tell him and challenge him to give. So cool, he starts with 10% and he heard someone speak about tithing. That is the Lord's, which I'm going to speak about later. And he says, cool, I'm going to give. I'm going to give this money. And then he ended up giving more and more. And God once says, I want you to sell your house, sell your cars, clear out your bank account and give it away. And he's like, God, are you kidding so he did it. And he says this took him years to get to that place. He said he, he argued with God and there was, there was moments. But he says he gave all of that away. Literally like a few days later, someone gave him a plane. So he sowed all of that. But God was just going, listen, I've got this thing. And he used that. Obviously, he was an itinerant evangelist. So he traveled across America and the plane was an incredible use. He said he used it for a year. But it would have cost him thousands, if not into the millions, to just even rent that and the amount that they used it. But God saw that he had this heart to give. God is, I mean, the story of Abraham for me is so incredible where God gives him his only son, this promised child. And God goes, listen, I want you to go sacrifice that child on top of the hill. Now we know that is not the heart of God. He's gracious, compassionate, loving, kind, etc. He is a father. But he was testing Abraham's heart. He said, are you going to let the promise that I've given you, the gift that I've given you, the money that I've given you, the, the family, the influence, are you going to let that become an idol or, or are you going to actually say, I put this on the altar because I want you more than anything. And for me, this is what Jesus is addressing here. He's addressing the heart. He's addressing that place of the heart and saying, listen, I, I, I want you above everything else. I want you to give me yourself above everything else. So number one, there's a rumble. That was the Holy Spirit. Number one, kingdom giving starts with firsts. For those of you who are English speakers and who have studied English, that's not good English. Can I please have my water, Star? Thank you. I can't begin to talk about giving, the word give, until we cover the first thing of first fruits. Some of you may have heard about it, but I want to read the scripture in Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be, over, will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
And if we go back to what Matthew 6, Jesus was addressing in all of those things, pray, fast, and give, is that it's a place of worship. Jesus takes money away from being seen by others so he can look good. He's saying, actually, when you give, it's part of your worship. And that's why I say nearly every time when, I get, when we do the offering, offering is part of our worship. It's, it's part of giving to God. It's part of giving to God, first of all, what is His in the first place. And uh, for those of you who've never heard a talk on tithing, we're going to go into that in some depth uh, later on, but I'm going to quickly go over it today. But it's just understanding that it's the principle of putting God first. Principle of putting Him first. Now, I want a story with Stala. She, we came out of um, a ministry of another church and to plant this church. Uh, we had a little bit of money saved. Stala was offered a job. So she was working at Nikhil. She did about a year with the other church. And then when we went into this new job, she was offered a job by DP World. So DP World's still going now, but at that stage, they had a ton of money. And uh, it, was a, it was a really good job. It was one of these jobs where Stala could have taken, and it would have provided for us, and it would have been great. But she, in a time of prayer, God started to speak to her and said, I want you to be a blessing to the church. And so Stala's like, cool, well, I need 5000 a month. Dan's bringing a little bit through guitar lessons. We've got a little bit saved. Our rent's been covered for the next few months. But I need 5000 just to cover our expenses and our car and all that stuff. And we lived as tight as we could. And, um, and, 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 what, and I know I've shared the story before, but it's a good one. Um, for the, for up until the point where we were able to be supported by the church, which is biblical, you can go read in Timothy, that those who preach the gospel are supported by the gospel. It's, it's a good thing. Don't struggle with that. Just believe God that is in it. Okay. Um, so you have, um, uh, yeah, about six months where Stala, random people came to Stala and gave her 5000 a month who knew nothing about this. And I can tell you that there's some prayers that you don't need to tell one person that you're struggling. You just need to tell Jesus. And he's going to look after and he's looking at a heart of first. And I, I've been so convicted about that scripture. It says God is looking to and fro across the whole earth to see whose heart is fully his. And God wants to stand behind, beside a heart as fully his. And I can, I can tell you this. When you look at your bank account, you can see where your heart is. That's why the Bible says you, where your heart is, your treasure is also. Because you look and say, what am I giving to God? What am I giving to others? And we've, I've got friends in the church who, who say that, that, for, that it's a standard. They've given 10% for their, their whole working lives, but God has always said give another 5%. And it's, and it's that extra 5% that we begin, begin to see God's blessing more flow through our lives. The, the principle of first fruits is throughout the Bible. It started with Cain and Abel. I don't know if you guys know the story. Uh, Cain and Abel are the first two sons, they believe, of, of Adam and Eve. And um, so the, the, Cain was the worker of the ground and Abel was a shepherd. So there, was a, there comes a point where Abel gets up and he brings his fir, the first lamb to God. And he offers it to God and God says, I'm pleased with that sacrifice. And then Cain comes along and says he brings some of the, some of the produce. And it doesn't say that he brings the first produce. I always thought, wow, God, that was unfair. That was unfair of you to choose... So, and is God a meat eater? Does he prefer meat to vegetables that he preferred this person? And I had this weird understanding of that scripture where actually the Bible is so clear is that, is that Abel gave of his first lamb and the first fruits where Cain gave almost what is left over. 
And I think if we understand that concept from very early on, these are like the, maybe the fourth and fifth people who have ever lived in the world, or third and fourth people who have ever lived in the world. If we understand that concept, if we're giving to God first so He can bless the rest. It's a, it's, for me, it's incredibly it's simple. It works. If you've never tithed before, try it. The Bible says, test me in this, which I'm going to read later. You'll see God come through for you. It just, it just works. It's not so the church can get money. It's actually just giving God back to God what is already His. He allows us to have the other 90%. The firstborn lamb was given first, and there was no guarantee, and you see this throughout the Old Testament, there was no guarantee of a second, third, fourth, or fifth lamb, but you gave the first in faith. And it's exactly like that with, with finances. It's like, God, I don't understand it, but I do it. And there's times that I've had to remind myself, and even reading this book that I've read about by Robert Morris this past week, has reminded me again of why I do this. Because I can't just, it's a standard. It's the first thing that comes off our account. Is I, uh, I transfer money to, to the burning lights, and it's, and it's done. And it's sorted. But I, I, sometimes I just do it because, we, because I've done it. And I feel like I have to remind myself again. And I, for me, for some of you, I'm just reminding you again of why we do this. Because it honors God first and you'll see what it does. It blesses the rest. Like I said, there was no guarantee of the second, third, or fourth. But you gave in the place of faith. We are stewards of what God has given us. And it says, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Can you turn to Malachi 3 verse 6? I'm not sure if I, I don't think I put it up. Malachi. Malachi. Sorry, I'm struggling to find it here. I should know my Bible. Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Wow, please, where are you? There we go. It's the last one of the Old Testament. I should know that. I was testing you. You, you passed. Okay. Um, verse 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. For those of you who think that tithing is, uh, is, um, is, it's, it falls away under the New Testament, there's lots of things that don't fall away from old to new. Stealing and punishment for stealing should be the same. It was punished in the Old Testament, should be punished in the New Testament. So there's, and obviously, the good side, there's, there's things that we do that blesses God's heart that goes from the Old into the New. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Um, verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, How have I robbed you? In your tithes and contributions or offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down uh, for you a blessing until there is no more need. That's a promise we can stand on. I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that you'll not be destroyed by the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, the Lord, then all nations will call you blessed for, you'll be, sorry, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. 
And like I said, we're going to go into this into the future probably a little bit deeper so you can have a deeper understanding of it. I encourage you to go online. Andre did an incredible talk about a year and a half ago at a midweek meeting about tithing and giving. And he really just opened it up over two sessions. That, on, that is on our website if you want to go have a look, download and listen. He did a, a way better job than I'm doing right now. Um, but Tim Keller says this. So for those of you who knows Tim Keller, you think he'd be against tithing. No, he's not, okay? Um, he says Jesus seems to assume that believers would tithe. But if we're going to think about our re- the relationship from the Old Testament tithe, I'd like to say it like this. Surely we're more blessed than Old Testament saints. Why then would we assume we'd be expected to, give, to be less generous to God? So Christians should see the Old Testament tithe as a kind of minimum percentage on the income to give away. And I, just again, so challenged by this Robert Morris guy, God began to just, on his life, began to just say, give more. And at one, at one point, he was giving 70% of his salary away and living on the 30%. I'm like, well, you definitely have to hear God for that. He hasn't told me that yet. Um, and maybe he hasn't told you that. But maybe some of you are going, well, God's actually tell, asking me to be more sacrificial. So it's, it's tithing. It's, it's understanding that I can give, be generous, be filled with so much that you can be generous on every occasion. You'll find that you can never outgive God. And that's, that is a truth that I wish was written in Scripture, but it kind of is in the different ways. But the more you give, the more God just pours out His blessing on your life. I've heard people say, we're getting paid more soon than we can tithe. You probably won't. We're out of debt soon, then I can tithe. You probably won't do it either. Because for me, it doesn't work like that. It's a place of faith. It's, it's when you don't understand that God begins to move often. It's like, I just trust you, Jesus. I trust you with my finances. I, I decide in this moment to give you my first. And some of you are wondering, like, oh, God's devouring my... There's, and you blame God in a way. You're like, God, where's all the money? And, like, money doesn't last. And this, I can tell you that there's, there's something incredibly supernatural that happens when we start to honor God with our first fruits. Is that cool? We'll get into the nice stuff now, but this is life-giving to me. Uh, honestly, speak to people who do it, they be like, it's changed our lives. We cannot go back. Uh, Artie Kendall, who's an incredible preacher, um, and he, he, uh, he's, he's very like evangelical, strong, really well known in all different uh, places. And he went and t- uh, was the teaching pastor at Westminster Abbey, I think, for 25 years. And he, one of his first sermons to British people, he says, you don't know how to evangelize and you don't know how to give money to God. Sorry, Johnny. Um, <laughs> Johnny's the British guy I always pick on. But he, he comes and he says that, and then, he, so he taught this for 25 years, not every week, I don't think he'd have a church if he did that, but he says when he was leaving after 25 years, he says the amount of people that came and thanked him for teaching them how to tithe, he says nearly everyone did, because he said we've seen God's hand move where he, God begins to do impossible things with the rest of our money. Cool. Number two, kingdom giving causes multiplication. We all know the story of feeding the 5,000. Start it out. Put yourself in the story. Imagine that you're Peter and James and you're sitting and Jesus is going for it. And it's 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. It gets to the evening and you're like, Jesus goes, he looks around and goes, guys, are you going to feed them? So Rom, like we've been here all day. Rom's one of the disciples. Feed them. So they have no money on them. They may have had a little bit of money on them. 
Uh, they had no food. They had to go and find a little boy who had five loaves and two fishes. And they bought it. And Jesus comes along and he goes, he lifts it up. He blesses the food. He hands it to his disciples. He breaks it. And they begin to hand out. And it just multiplies in their hands. And it multiplies. And it gets to the point in the Bible says they had 12 basketfuls of food left over. And for me, that is the, the overabundance of God and the disproportionate thing that happens when we give. When we give our five loaves and two fishes, which co- could start with tithes, it could we start with God put someone in your heart in the church to give some money to. It could be anything where God is speaking. If he speaks in his word, dirt, but then outside of that, his spirit can speak to you about giving. And it begins, so you give it, so you give your five loaves and it might be 50 dirhams that you really needed that day. You need to put petrol in your car so you can get home and eat your last meal and die. That was the, and that's, okay, hopefully that won't happen. Um, but God takes that little bit and he begins to multiply that to a disproportionate effect. To where there's 12, bar, so if you look at this, 5,000 men, for some reason they only counted the men in those days, but it got better. So about 20, 15, 20,000 people. Can you imagine how, how many people that is scattered along the field? Jesus' voice, I don't know how it worked, but it was beaming across the field and he was preaching. And, uh, and then it says, now it's time to feed them. So for me, there's two principles out of that. Is number one, I'm going to get it right. Something must be blessed first before it can be, be multiplied. And how do we bless the rest? We learn how to give God first, our first fruits. Jesus blesses it. The second principle is this. Only what is given away does God multiply. We are not called to be hoarders. We're not called to be hoarders of finances. We're called to be conduits of God that we give and we give and we give because God begins to pour out back into our lives. And it's just an amazing thing that God can take a little lunch, a little McDonald's leftover lunch, and it can multiply to thousands of people. And can I say that that's what God does? I mean, we've we have, I mean, I've got so many stories in my own life, but like, we, we have been faithful. Like, I mean, I could probably count on my hand where a few times where I haven't given and, uh, or I'd given less, or, and I, it wasn't even while we were leading this church. It was like years ago, maybe when I first started in work. But if you're faithful, we've faithfully given every month to God, and we try to be as generous as we can, have people over for dinner, give to people, sow into different ministries, do whatever we can, and we have never seen God fail us. David even writes, he says, uh, he says, I'm young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. We have to get this thing inside of us that if we learn to honor Jesus first, he blesses the rest. He, he causes a multiplication on the rest. And can I tell you, if there's, if there's a constant struggle in your finances, and even if you're earning a ton of money and you still feel like you've got no money at the end of the month, look at where your finances Start with your budget and say, there we go, take a zero off and that's yours, Jesus. Or that's one zero off. Depends. <laughs> it's always one zero. Eh? Okay, Johnny, you're good at maths and you're not even giving me a... Okay, number three, kingdom giving, and I'm almost done. I've got five minutes left. Kingdom giving places your trust in Jesus. When we give, it unpins us from the ways of this world. The ways of this world, like I said before, is hoard, keep, take, invest, invest, me, me, my kids, this, that, where God says, if you learn to give away, I'm going to give you way more than you could ever have dreamed, ever. It it unpins you from the ways of this world. 
we had an amazing moment, probably about two years ago. So I don't know if you know, we pay our rent for, the, for this warehouse in about three checks, three or four checks. And, um, but on top of that, we always need 20% tax. So we had budgeted it. I mean budgeting, we're just like, God, just please come through. Um, and uh, so we had, we had some, some money in our account, but I knew that if I'd given that, if uh, there were salaries coming at the same time and all of these things, and there was just lots of stuff coming off, like January, February for us is just, as a church, a very expensive uh, two months. And um, we needed 57,000 dirhams for our tax. And I was like, God, you have to come through. And I remember we... We sowed, I think, we've, we faithfully sowed a few things. Uh, we've sowed to Sri Lanka every month, to Nepal, um, and we're about to do a, a few more things for the gospel in, in different areas of Sri Lanka. And uh, so we're just like, God, well, we know we've given as a church. We're sowing as a church. Um, we want to give away more at some point than we're getting in. And we're just like, God, you know our hearts. And literally two days before, that ex- almost to the, to the number, that, it, that, that amount got deposited into our account. Someone got a bonus. Someone got something. I don't know what happened. Jesus filled their account so they can fill ours. I don't know how it worked. But the, if that exact amount came through just in time for us to pay. I was able to pay salaries, and we still had a little bit of money left. God is faithful. You can trust Him. Absolutely. He's like, it, it just... I'd rather invest in God than in any stock or Bitcoin or anything because he's going to always give return that is disproportionate to the thing that you've laid out. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now the word mammon comes from a Babylonian, a Syrian term which means, which means riches. So if, I want to just clarify this. Obviously, money in itself is not inherently bad. But some money can carry a spirit, the spirit of mammon, behind it. That's why people use money. That's why it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root of all evil. The love of money, putting the affection of money higher than your affection of God, trusting in money higher than God. And it says we can sometimes have the spirit of mammon attached to the, the money that we have. But I believe that we, we, when we start to redeem it, the Spirit of God comes on our money. We can actually use it for kingdom purposes. God makes you steward to change the earth. And it's great that God can bless you with stuff and things, and that's, that's, that's great. But God has also given you money so you can bless the earth. A few things about mammon. There's a guy called Jimmy Evans. He leads a church, and he says, Mammon promises things that only God can give. Security significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that, uh, that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. If you feel that way, there's something of the spirit of mammon on your life. If you think about finances and you worry and, you, and you're overwhelmed by fear when you come to this, there's the working of spirit of, of mammon in your life. And I honestly believe the only way to, to break that thing is, is four letters, give. Give away. Because it begins to break things, break it over your life. Mammon says buy and sell. God says sow and reap. Mammon says cheat and steal. God says give and receive. We have to understand this thing. Mammon can come and consume our lives. And I can tell you right now that it'll, it'll promise you everything but deliver nothing. Everything that comes from Satan, mammon, which is a demonic spirit or whatever it is, is lying to you. 
So if you think that it's all about making more money, and all, it's not about that. You have a good Father in heaven who is looking after and wants to look after you. There's lots I can say on this, but I want to read this quote by John Bunyan. I read it a couple of weeks, months ago. There was a man, they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. Love that. So I've got a little acrostic for give. Can we put that up? Generous, immediately, value, expect. Generous. I love in 2 Corinthians 9.11, it says, You will be enriched in every way. After he's taught about giving and giving to those in need and giving to the church, Paul writes this, he says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in the thanksgiving to God. We need to learn to be radically generous with what God has given us. Take it before Him and say, God, you've given me the power to make wealth. That's what it says in, in the Bible. So God gave the Israelite people the power to make wealth. We are the, the new people of God. If you're struggling around these things, come and talk to these people in our church who can work through stuff with you and help you to invest better and help you. But I'm going to guarantee you the first thing they're going to say is this, are you tithing? Are you getting that first things first right in your life? Second thing is immediately. I've got a friend who said to me, he says, he doesn't try negotiate with God and doesn't think about, when God speaks to him about giving, he doesn't hang on it too much because he'll talk himself out of it. It almost has to be this immediate thing. There's like, if God speaks to you about giving towards someone, go do it immediately. Don't, don't think about it too much. If you know the Spirit of God is talking, you can never outgive God. So don't worry about, is this a waste of my money? Have I given it? Just learn, give. Value. It must become a value in our hearts, but it must be also of value. David writes and says, I will not bring something unless it costs me. There's, there's a cost that's involved. And I can guarantee you, a lot of you looking, you're like, I've got my budget, and like, if I give that and I give this away, like, what's going to be left? Are we going to be able to go out for dinner? Like, and I, I can just keep it as a value in your heart. Go, go study on it. Go read the Bible on it. It's, it's so clear and it works. There it is. E. Forgive, expect. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Expect God to move. I think we live, we live in an immediate society where we can go somewhere, and if I know in Dubai, if I don't get my food in like 10 minutes or less, you're like, why is it taking so long? There's something wrong. And um, we live in this, but Jesus was speaking and God was speaking to an agricultural society where people would sow and then they'd wait for a reaping of a harvest. So expect God to move. It may be today, tomorrow, maybe in a few years' time, but rather work on the compounded interest. Just keep giving because eventually there's going to be this thing where it's measured back to you. And like I said before, it's way more than you can ever dream or imagine. Let's stand and pray together. It went a little bit longer, but I think it was... An important message. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you come in and you, 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 you change us and you mold us. God, in my heart's desire for everyone who is part of City Light and a follower of Jesus is to, is, to, is to be more like you, Lord God. And you asked us to do these three things, pray fast and give. And we thank you for that. We thank you for these opportunities to give back to you to lay aside things that we don't need, Lord God. Thank you, God. I want to challenge you 
just while everyone's eyes are closed, just to, it's, you know, we, we show in what we believe by what we do. And if there's, just in this week, I was speaking to Stahl on the way, I said, God, I said, I want, I want God to, to, to highlight more where I can be spirit-led in my giving. I want to I give more. And I, I believe as we start to do that and open our hearts to that, God's going to begin to show us opportunities. And it's going to always be leaning towards wholeness, healing, and the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Let it just be sealed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.